0: Hey all, and welcome to ChapterWise, where I take public domain or other authorized use works of fiction and narrate them for you one chapter at a time. If you like what you hear, please follow my channel. If you love what you hear, please consider supporting my channel. I try to upload new chapters three or four times a week. The Memoirs of Fanny Hill by John Cleland originally published in 1749. I was now once more adrift and left upon my own hands by a gentleman whom I certainly did not deserve, and all the letters, arts, friends, and treaties that I employed within the week of grace in my lodging could never win on him so much as to see me again. He had irrevocably pronounced my doom and submission to it was my only part. Soon after he married a lady of birth and fortune to whom I have heard he provided an irreproachable husband. As for poor William, he was immediately sent down to the country to his father, who was an easy farmer, where he was not four months before an innkeeper's buxom young widow, with a very good stock both in money and trade, fancied and perhaps preacquainted with his secret excellencies, married him, and I am sure there was at least one good foundation for their living happily together. Though I should have been charmed to see him before he went, such measures were taken by Mr. H's orders that it was impossible. Otherwise, I should certainly have endeavored to detain him in town, and would have spared neither offers nor expense to have procured myself the satisfaction of keeping him with me. He had such powerful holds upon my inclinations as were not easily to be shaken off or replaced. As to my heart, it was quite out of the question. Glad, however, I was from my soul that nothing worse, and as things turned out— nothing better could have happened to him. As to Mr. H, though views of convenience made me at first exert myself to regain his affection, I was giddy and thoughtless enough to be much easier reconciled to my failure than I ought to have been. But as I never had loved him and his leaving me gave me a sort of liberty that I had often longed for, I was soon comforted and flattering myself that the stock of youth and beauty I was going to trade with could hardly fail of procuring me a maintenance, I saw myself under the necessity of trying my fortune with them rather with pleasure and gaiety than with the least idea of despondency. In the meantime, several of my acquaintances among the sisterhood who had soon got wind of my misfortune flocked to insult me with their malicious consolations— Most of them had long envied me the affluence and splendor I had been maintained in, and though there was scarce one of them that did not at least deserve to be in my case, and would probably sooner or later come to it, it was equally easy to remark even in their affected pity, their secret pleasure at seeing me thus discarded, and their secret grief that it was no worse with me. Unaccountable malice of the human heart, and which is not confined to the class of life they were of. But as the time approached for me to come to some resolution how to dispose of myself, and I was considering round where to shift my quarters to, Mrs. Cole, a middle aged, discreet sort of woman, who had been brought into my acquaintance by one of the misses that visited me, upon learning my situation, came to offer her cordial advice and service to me. And as I had always taken to her more than to any of my female acquaintances, I listened the easier to her proposals. And as it happened, I could not have put myself into worse or into better hands in all London. Into worse because keeping a house of conveniency there were no lengths in lewdness she would not advise me to go, in compliance with her customers.' No schemes or pleasure or even unbounded debauchery she did not take even a delight in promoting. Into a better, because nobody having had more experience of the wicked part of the town than she had, was fitter to advise and guard one against the worst dangers of our profession. And what was rare to be met with in those of hers, she contented herself with a moderate living profit upon her industry and good offices— and had nothing of their greedy, rapacious turn. She was really, too, a gentlewoman born and bred, but through a train of accidents reduced to this course, which she pursued partly through necessity, partly through choice, as never woman delighted more in encouraging a brisk circulation of the trade for the sake of the trade itself, or better understood all the mysteries and refinements of it than she did so that she was consummately at the top of her profession, and dealt only with customers of distinction, to answer the demands of whom she kept a competent number of her daughters in constant recruit, so she called those whom their youth and personal charms recommended to her adoption and management, several of whom, by her means and through her tuition and instructions, succeeded very well in the world. This useful gentlewoman, upon whose protection I now threw myself, having her reasons of state, respecting Mr. H., for not appearing too much in the thing herself, sent a friend of hers, on the day appointed for my removal, to conduct me to my new lodgings at a brushmaker's in E. Street, Covent Garden, the very next door to her own house, where she had no conveniences to lodge me herself lodgings that, by having been for several successions tenanted by ladies of pleasure, the landlord of them was familiarized to their ways, and provided the rent was paid, everything else was as easy and commodious as one could desire. The fifty guineas promised me by Mr. H. at his parting with me, having been duly paid me, all my clothes and movables chested up which were at least of two hundred pounds value, I had them conveyed into a coach where I soon followed them after taking a civil leave of the landlord and his family, with whom I had never lived in a degree of familiarity enough to regret the removal. But still, the very circumstance of its being a removal drew tears from me. I left, too, a letter of thanks for Mr. H., from whom I concluded myself, as I really was, irretrievably separated. My maid I had discharged the day before— not only because I had her of Mr. H., but that I suspected her of having somehow or other been the occasion of his discovering me, in revenge, perhaps, for my not having trusted her with him. We soon got to my lodgings, which, though not so handsomely furnished nor so showy as those I left, were to the full as convenient, and at half the price, though on the first floor. My trunks were safely landed and stowed in my apartments, where my neighbor, and now governante, mrs Cole, was ready with my landlord to receive me, to whom she took care to set me out in the most favorable light, that of one from whom there was the clearest reason to expect the regular payment of his rent. All the cardinal virtues attributed to me would not have had half the weight of that recommendation alone. I was now settled in lodgings of my own, abandoned to my own conduct, and turned loose upon the town, to sink or swim, as I could manage with the current of it. And what were the consequences, together with the number of adventures which befell me in the exercise of my new profession, will compose the matter of another letter, for surely it is high time to put a period to this. I am, madam, yours. Etc., etc., etc. The end of the first letter. That's it for today's chapter, everyone. Thanks for coming along on the ride. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please consider supporting my channel. And as always, whatever platform you're listening on, just know that I deeply appreciate the time you spend with me here. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.